Welcome to Painters for Painters with your host, Laura Kessner King, and artist, writer, and teacher, Christopher Volpe. Welcome, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> We're doing this uh, whew, after a few tries. A few failed attempts to get this going, so I think it'll work this time. Yeah. But, so tell us what we're doing here. What is exactly is this platform? What are we trying to convey? This is an opportunity for painters, in particular, to um, familiarize themselves with other painters, and um, beyond just the art history aspect of it, to look at some of the uh, leading contemporary painters and great painters of the past in terms of what they did and why they did it uh, from a painter's perspective. So we're looking at things like technique, but also motivation, like what motivated these the painters to paint the way they did. Um, so we're not going to be that concerned about biography uh, unless it's relevant. Um, we're mostly just, it's art history for artists. Okay. And why should artists study this stuff? Because I've actually had someone ask, why would we do this? Why on earth would you ever want to know what has been done before? <laughs> right, right? Um, yeah. I mean, what are you, so you're going to also use this with your classes in yeah. conjunction with some of your, your Right, teaching. I teach a, uh, teach a work, I teach a kind of drop-in sort of workshop where we do uh, meet every every other week and we do do a different exercise for that week so it doesn't it's not a class that builds on itself um, but it's uh the, the format stays pretty much the same i'll usually announce what we're doing ahead of time often it will be a riff on an artist like for this for this week we did corot and um i'll do a demo and explain my take on on why he painted the way he did and we we mixed corot's colors and carefully observed how he handled things like edges and atmosphere and especially colors. Um, so, and then we, we do a painting in, not necessarily in the style of that artist, uh, but it, but saturated in the, you know, in, in that artist's um, particular take on painting. Okay. Um, Sounds fascinating. So I think that uh, you've done it a few times now put out a blog ahead of time so people can see what's going to be studied and who, yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Feedback seems good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, there's no question that it's imperative that if you want to, if you, I mean, if, if you want to do any, any kind of painting other than just enjoying moving the paint around for its own sake as a kind of, you know, pastime, um, that's great. But, there's a massive trove of knowledge and accomplishment from the ages that we can draw on. And the more you familiarize yourself with what's been done, uh, the better your painting is going to be because the more informed it's going to be by what's possible. Mm. Um, and it also, knowing what's been done before helps you from reinventing the wheel, helps you from, um, it gives you a platform to, to, to start out from. Um, I think a lot of painters who are self-taught end up learning um, a, a, a kind of it's like it's like a it's like a shopping spree, you know. You especially with the internet, there's all of our histories at our fingertips, mm -hmm. and you know you had to. You know, there was nothing like this previously. You had to go to an art school, you know, or an academy, 
um, and study and, and paint the paint imitations of the masters. I mean, that's what they did. They immersed themselves in the past, but now we can do it ourselves because um, there's so much information out there. Well, okay, so you say that, but I, as a you know struggling learner myself, I'm I always have good intentions, but I don't follow through. So I think that for me, part of what I want this to be is for people like me who just want to take 15 minutes and listen to you talk about this and maybe come to class and observe mm -hmm. because everyone says, oh, study the masters. And I go into the museums and I look and I, I'm clueless. I don't really know how they got that those marks on there. Uh -huh. But listening to you tonight was, and I can't give it away. You have to come to class. But it was very, <laughs> very informational to listen to how you said, oh, you did that. Mark probably did this. Let's try this. So for me, that was really really helpful. So yes, we do have the information, but we don't always mm. get ourselves to digest it. Mm -hmm. So I hope these little snippets will be very useful for people down the road doing that. So who's up for this week? So we're going to look at a contemporary painter, Douglas Fryer. And he's a land, primarily a landscape painter and a realist style. Fryer's got this combination of attention to the paint itself as paint and an, an evident enjoyment of the material mm. along with a, uh, a very sincere feeling for the history of the land that mm. he's painting so he's born in utah and moved around a bit but ended up coming back and settling in a valley in utah um, that has been just farmed for generations. And he paints the farms mostly, he paints the landscapes with the uh, sort of ramshackle buildings and um, sometimes cattle or horses. But mostly, it seems to me that he's painting a relationship between the human beings who've spent their lives working and surviving on the land and the land itself. He's, he's a filter for that relationship and he's translating that that relationship um, into imagery um, which makes him a little bit different from a, a, your particular plein air painter you know your, your common variety of plein air painter <laughs> although I think he does he, he certainly does paint on plein air but he also paints in the studio and he has a vision it's not so much that he's painting or seeing like an artist he's painting like an artist in that he's painting a feeling, he's painting intuitive, um, deeply felt ideas about humanity and human, human relationship to nature. Okay, I've got a quote that I found of his. I've got to read it, because to me, I thought, wow, someone does what I do, well, what yeah. I attempt to do. <laughs> okay. He said, I think I have an overdeveloped sadness in the passage of time, the constant loss of small moments and memories, and so I've become nostalgic and perhaps sentimental in my desire to make concrete the ordinary and overlooked. Mm -hmm. And I really see that in his work. He just takes the most ordinary thing and just makes it so phenomenal and, and heartfelt in yeah. many ways. Yeah, his, his subject are, it is like the land that you usually just drive by yeah, without looking exactly, at it, right? yeah. on, on your way to somewhere else. Um, and I think it's interesting what he said about sentimentality. Um, you can paint a barn saturated in sentimentality. 
that won't move anybody because they've seen that barn <laughs> painted in a sentimental manner a hundred thousand times. Mm. But he can paint a barn, and um, it, so there's a different difference between sort of sentiment, which is just having a I guess having a subjective feeling about a thing and injecting something with that feeling and sentimentality. I think the sentimentality comes in because of um, artists just taking shortcuts. Uh, they're just, many artists will just paint a barn the way other artists have painted a barn um, and not the way they really even see the barn or, or especially feel the barn. You know, Fryer can paint the barn as he feels it. Mm. And there's no sentimentality in, in the work, I don't think. Um, he, his, his marks are kind of raw. He paints a lot with a palette knife and his edges are jagged. Often the, the landscape will merge with human structures where you, you sort of can't tell where a, where a shed or a barn begins and where the trees around it begin and end. And um, his, um, his, his, his colors are also kind of, uh, they're, they're not washed out because he has a very strong value uh, uh, range in his painting, but they're complex colors. They're not out of the tube. Uh, sort of just received colors. They're, they're, they're colors of the land. They're the colors of, even the colors have the feeling that he's getting in the, in the edges and in the textures and in the handling of the paint. It's the same feeling in the colors, that feeling of earthiness and grittiness. Mm. And there's nothing sentimental about that. I mean, he's really talking about um, hard living, you know, mm-hmm. and and the, the the people who've loved the land and and lived there, lived it, and worked it for generations, um, and it's not easy. And so you feel that in his in his work, and I think that's what lifts it up above the sentimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you um, lead your class along with with what you're going to do with him? Well, um, there are particular. He does have particular. Um, compositional strategies uh, that we can we can use as a starting point for, to make accessible what he does hmm. he does a, he has a um, often has long uh, he gives a, gives like three quarters or uh, two-thirds of his painting to foreground sometimes and um, uses a a, a a sort of abstract approach to designing that foreground um, with large shapes and interesting sort of torn edges. So we'll look at that. Um, his structures tend to be diminutive. Um, they're usually sandwiched between a, a big sky and a big foreground. Mm-hmm. They're just small little, so they, they seem small and they seem kind of time beaten. Like, you know, I think that's what he's talking about with memory, you know, like the, 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 the buildings seem to hold the memory of the lives that, or lived in them for um, several generations. So we'll look at composition, and we'll look about. We'll, we'll talk about how do you how do you dis, how do you depict a relationship between humanity and nature hmm. by the choices you make in terms of what you what you privilege in terms of the composition. Like in other words, his paintings that have structures in them almost always seem to give 
um, the smallest share of the, of the painting goes to the structure, the rest of it goes to nature. Um, and it's not like a romantic equation where nature is, is always dominating the human. It's more like there's a, a kind of a wrestling between the two. Mm. Um, and so we'll talk about that. We'll also, we'll use primarily palette knife because I think that's, um, some, that's, that's a way to get some of the, uh, uh, the textures and, and edges that he's, uh, been, he's able to get. Um, I, I've, my, for my landscape painting, I learned a lot from, um, I think, looking at, looking at his paintings and, and using the palette knife to try to channel a similar kind of feeling. So, Does he have any works that. in this part of the country that you know of? Um, no, not, he's definitely a Western painter. He usually just paints that, that Utah Valley mm. that he lives in. Um, but he's had a, uh, but he also does paint abroad. I know he's doing a workshop in Scotland. I know he did a workshop in Scotland. He's going to do one in France soon. And, um, he sells his work primarily at, he's, there's a kind of whole genre of Western painters, contemporary okay. Western painters. And so there's a massive art world that's all about that. And he's kind of star within that <laughs> art world. Mm. One of his primary galleries is in New Mexico. He's a young guy, fairly young guy, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think he's, I don't know. I actually don't know yeah. his, his dates. Well, I watched but... a video. But... Okay, so looked, <laughs> I could yeah. guess he's 40. But, uh... <laughs> Douglas, if you're, if you're hearing this, uh, <laughs> And I guessed wrong, sorry. Okay, he's know. 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh gosh. So what intrigues you the most about his work and how did you find him? How do you find? I have people? no idea. I don't know. Stumbled upon the internet. Yeah, yeah. The internet, it just you just follow one thread and one thing yeah. leads to another. I mean, you, you got to be curious and you got to just keep following things that resonate. You know, mm. um, that's how you learn. You learn the things you need to learn by being interested, by being curious, by being passionate, and being excited about something that you find and going down that route, going down that hole, you know, finding out where, where that path leads instead of just taking a course, let's say, you know, or, um, a series of videos. Uh, it's so much, I think you learn better when you're passionate, passionate about it. When it and you, you may not even know why it's just something intrigues you. And what the reason is because eventually you're going to find your own voice and this, there's something that you need to learn here. There's something he, that a, a given painter can tell you that will put you on the track to finding your own way, finding mm. what you're supposed to be painting. So I'm interested. You you, you know he's using a palette knife. Is that just from observing his painting? I feel like I saw a video at some point okay. where he was he had like a huge like spatula type. Palette yes. Knife. Yeah. I saw that one. So you did, yeah. Yeah, he does some pretty big works. But yeah. there's a lot of atmosphere too. There's a ton of mm. soft edges, so he's got to be using. I would imagine he's using both brushes and knives. So this class will be coming up soon, a couple of weeks. We'll get this out there and yep. And it's, tell us where the class is held. Oh, so this is a uh, every other week. We meet from six thirty to eight thirty in the art barn in Exeter, New Hampshire, which is a converted barn. Um, that's not the art barn, it's the word barn. Oh. <laughs> I've made it the art barn. You have. It's my art barn. Sorry, Sarah. It is the word <laughs> barn, Sarah. Yeah, so yes, the word barn. Um, 
this converted barn meant to be a place for poetry readings and writing workshops. Yeah. Great. Anything else you want to add? Um, well, I think that um, I wanted to go circle back to the last question you asked, which was, you know, what is it about him that intrigues me and that before you asked how I found him, I think it's just because I, I sense the feeling in his work and just, it's, mm. it's, it's heartfelt work, you know, it's, it's earnest work. And I think that's valuable, especially in a, um, such a crowded field of landscape painting, um, where there's a, there, the, the, there's, there is a typical plein air painting that kind of gets sort of repeated and he doesn't do that. His compositions are, are pretty original and, um, he's really got something to say in the work. And so that's, I think that's what I responded to and why I still admire his work. Cause he's really, he's, you know, he's being honest with, about his, his feelings in his work. He's, he's responding genuinely to something that's meaningful to him and he's channeling it through the paint. And I think that's what's kind of what it's all about. Great. Okay. So we'll have some links on the, um, Artists of New England website, and also what's your, your website where people can find your oh, it's, blog? Yeah, um, I have a blog on Blogspot. I think it's ChristopherVolpe.blogspot.com, maybe. <laughs> He'll find it. ChristopherVolpe.com is my website. So okay, great. It's linked from there. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thanks, Laura. Thank you for tuning in to Painters for Painters. We would welcome you at the Word Barn, 66 Newfields Road, Exeter, New Hampshire, on Wednesday, November 7th, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Please RSVP Chris at ChristopherVolpe.com if you plan to attend, and we hope to see you there. Thank you. Bye.